Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, lead pastor of First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, good to be back with you and our listeners today. Uh, we are going to pick up today and continue our series on seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. We've been taking occasional breaks for uh, one-off topics like our denomination's a bad thing. We talked about throwing out babies with bathwater, and uh, we're taking our time moving through uh, moving through the Old Testament. But we're make, we're uh, we've made ourselves made our way uh, quite a ways into it because we are today at the book of Job. But before we do that, um, I want to remind our listeners that we are a assurance of pardon, are members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. What are some of those shows that are a part of the network, Gage? Yeah, so Distilling Theology, Reform Brotherhood, um, the the Five Points Church Planning Podcast, all, sort, all sorts, of, sorts of great podcasts, really uh, of all stripes of the Reformed faith. So we got some Presbyterians, we got Reformed Baptists, um, both uh, involved in in the the podcast um, network, and uh, we we would love for you to check those out. You can find that. Really, anywhere that you uh, listen to podcasts, they have their own kind of mega feed. You could listen to all the podcasts, including this one, uh, with the Society of Reform Podcasts, or you can visit their website at reformpodcasts with an S dot uh, com. And then, of course, you can see the list uh, of different options as well. Also, Scott, um, this is our third birthday. I don't know if you realize this is, that. That's right. Yeah, this that's is, right. This is our third birthday. So this is the first podcast we're recording in the new year. We actually began this podcast uh, New Year's Eve three New years, years ago. I think it was New Year's Day, wasn't it? Yeah, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Uh, three years ago, I actually drove to Hot Springs in the snow to record a podcast with you. Um, so um, it was a great time, and we're uh, our podcast is officially a toddler. So we're very excited about that. That explains that explains all the accidents around the house. That's right. Well, uh, um, well, Gage, uh, we are picking up this week on an Old Testament book that is one that I think causes a lot of head scratching for a lot of people. Like, what do I do with it? It's a book that gets quoted with some regularity. It's not a book that's quite as um, you know cryptic or unknown like Nahum or Obadiah. Um, people know this book, maybe they mispronounce it, but, and that is the book of Job. So Gage, uh, tell our listeners what the book of Job is about and why it matters. Absolutely. Uh, so Job is actually, uh, even though it's not the, the very first, um, book, book of the Bible in the, the English order, um, it's the oldest book in the old Testament and it, it's, um, an interesting story with poetry uh, and other things involved. Essentially, there are a series of characters. There's God. There's Satan. There's Job. Job's family. And then Job's friends. Uh, 
And those are kind of the characters in the story. And the, the way that it, it begins is it introduces us to this man named Job from the land of Uz. Um, and he is known for being, verse one says, blameless and upright, right? So if you, you go and consider, for, for example, Psalm 1, right? Um, it talks about this idea of of the man of God being blameless and upright, and Job is one of these these men. Um, and it it talks about how he prays for his kids and he makes sacrifices to God, even um, for the the possibility that his kids might have sinned against God that day, right? So he's he's a good Anglican, right? He prays not only for the things <laughs> he's done, but he, but he, for the things he's left undone, right? Um, and so. Um, then it, the story kind of takes us to the heavenly realm and there appears to be this almost courtroom conversation where, where God, um, calls attention to Job. Look at my servant Job. He's upright. He's blameless. He's great. I've got nobody like Job and Satan shows up, right? Which in Hebrew, um, He's the accuser, right? So, so here comes the prosecuting attorney entering the courtroom, and he essentially accuses God um, of being unjust because the reason that Job is as blameless and upright and follows you the way that he does is because you give him everything. Every he has everything. His family is great. His land is great. His cattle is great. His life is great. He's full. He's full of prosperity. Uh, he's you know blessed and highly flavored, and so uh, because of that, he um, everything is great, and so there is this essential plan that's put forward where God says, "Okay, tell you what, you can touch Job's life, bring suffering. You can't kill him, but you can do everything else, and I'll and I'll show that Job will, will still follow me." enters now Job's um, experience of suffering. But the to understand kind of the context is this is the, the third book of wisdom literature in this section of scripture, right? We've got Proverbs, we've got Ecclesiastes, and we've got Job. And there was this belief and assumption that that the world exists on this concept of just justness and fairness that that good things happen to good people bad things happen to bad people the reason job's life is good is because he's a good person um and and that's essentially the the premise of of the culture around job and around that time and around around the belief system that god runs the entire world on the system of justice on the system of good and bad. And so this is why things are the way that the way they are. And then enters now Satan's attack on, on Job. And in, and in a series of, of situations, Job loses his kids and he loses his cattle and he loses his land and he, lo- and he starts to, his health starts to fail and everything is removed from him that he loves dearly. Now, I do want to want to point out um, that many people have observed that his wife doesn't die. <laughs> so do that. Do with that what you will. That of all the things that are re- removed from Job that are that are good in his life, uh, his wife 
remains. Um, and so that kind of starts a series of accusations. Job's wife uh, and the, the three friends, there's eventually a fourth that shows up, but the three friends, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuite, Zophar, the Nam- Namathite. All of these friends show up. And because all three of them at various times and in various conversations are trying to figure out the logical reason behind why all these bad things are happening to Job, they are operating under this system of justice and righteousness, right? God rules this way, so there must be an explanation. And we would assume as the story unfolds that that we're going to learn the answer to why good things happen to bad or why bad things happen to good people. Right. Um, but, but the reality is that's not at all what we find out. Um, so then the three questions that we, we actually are wrestling with is, is God just, does God run the world on justice? And if so, why is this happening? Right. Um, so because the friends believe God is rewards good and punishes bad, they, and his wife, come up with these accusations and reasonings. Well, Job, you must have done something wrong. We got to figure out what sin you you committed, what wrong you did. You obviously have made God angry. Something has happened. Your children have sinned. You're facing the punishment of your act, act the consequences of your actions for some, some reason. And the first half of the book is really Job kind of defending himself. No, I didn't do this. No, I didn't do this. No, that's not right. No, that's not right. No, that's not right. Up to the point that his wife even at one point says, you should probably curse God and just die because that's how miserable things are. And he doesn't. But eventually, Job decides, I'm going to take up my case with God. And we learned something really, really important about prayer here, that God can handle your questions. He can handle your anger. He can handle handle your frustration. He can handle your fear and your mourning and your 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 questions and your doubts and all those things. Because enter then is this guy called named Elihu Elihu the the Buzite, and his answer as to why Job is going through the questions that he's going through is maybe it's to build character in your life, right? Maybe suffering is happening to help you avoid some sort of future sin. Um, Or honestly, we don't know. We don't know why this is happening to you. Um, And so he he goes on on and on for several chapters. And then in chapter 38, God shows up. And as he shows up, God tells him, okay, son, you've asked me a lot of questions. It's now time for me to answer these questions let's start with a tour of the universe and he essentially shows him all of all the things and the way in which the world and and the universe and the cosmos exist and he and he tells him do you really understand what it means to run the world do you really have have a big enough view of creation and my sovereignty and the way in which the world works to actually fit your friend's accusations. Yeah. This, this sort of monologue from God, and it's a long one uh, recounting, you know, uh, the oceans, the animals, the stars in the heavens, the earth spinning on its axis 
it 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 really will maybe it, it it's it's it, it by some definitions almost snarky right it's mm-hmm. it's a mm-hmm. it's a stinging rebuke of job um I, I have found myself sometimes with with a you know um correcting a, a, a one of my kids um when they are uh, uh, when they are questioning something that we're doing i was are, are you explaining to me how to parent you are you are you are you speaking out of your great well of wealth of parenting wisdom here is that what you're doing just so i'm clear right that's that's the kind of rebuke that job uh gets here from god and and if we think about it this is precisely what um this is precisely the arrogance that we hear in the unbelieving world all the time that's right uh, the god of uh, the god i believe in would never do x or y that's right and the answer is of course the god you believe in wouldn't do that because the god you believe in isn't real that's right yeah well and and when i have conversations with friends and family members and 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 others in in my life those that aren't believers this is exactly right right they they have some sort of thing that happened their grandmother died um uh they lost a baby uh the, a friend of theirs had cancer some sort of event often has taken place and this is the thing that they think is the the straw that breaks the camel's back on their faith right mm-hmm. they got that and and really instead of giving a sufficient answer to satisfy Job and all of his friends as to why things are happening, God instead says, entertain the possibility that you're not omniscient. Entertain the possibility that you aren't everywhere at one time. You're not outside of time. You don't orchestrate the whole things. You haven't spoken everything into existence. And there may be some things that are happening outside of your point of view that you don't fully grasp as I'm working all things together for good, for those who love me and are called according to my purpose. And as I am working a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. And and I'm, I'm working also in a world that was broken, a cosmos that was broken by the effects of sin. Maybe you don't have all the information and therefore, you shouldn't make assumptions because this is what we do, right? We do this with our friends. We do this with our pastors. We do this with churches. We make assumptions from a position of assuming we are an omniscient and have all the information. Yeah, we we see this. We see this from from the disciples in uh, in in John chapter nine um, when it says, "As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi." Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answers, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Mm. This is is Jesus again saying, you don't get it. You're not going to be able to track a clear, understandable path of causality at all times from this current predicament to this being the reason that it happened, uh, the, the same the same thing happens when the in Luke thirteen with the Tower of Siloam that fell, when Jesus or those eighteen on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Again, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, and and and, and the 
And so we we cannot always, this is why the prosperity gospel is absurd. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the fact that the reason that th- something happens to you is because you didn't have enough faith um, is the doctrine of demons <laughs> and should, right. be re- should be rejected. It's funny you mentioned those two passages, Scott, because that's exactly what I had, had in my notes, right? That that what is the, what is the book of Job? How does it have parallels or point us to Jesus? Well, Jesus deals with Job's friends in the Pharisees and in the Sadducees and in the scribes. Because they they too operated under this system of justice that they had created, even justice by their own definition, right? You can you can care for your neighbor, but not if your neighbor is is lying with a withered hand on the Sabbath. You can't care for them then. You can fix yourself food, but you can't pick grain from a field as you're walking along the way because that would be work, right? They had created this unrealistic and and really honestly demonic system of of perceived justice and so jesus deals with his own version of job's friends in the pharisees the sadducees the scribes and others um even to the point that when jesus tells his disciples he's going to die and raise from the dead he's got his own version of job's friends in peter who rebukes him right that's right so, so the question now becomes, then, do we really want the world ran by this system of strict justice? That good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. It's all a cosmic reality or, or, or karmic reality in the cosmos. This is how this works. Absolutely not. This is the right. last thing that we want. Why is this the last thing that we want? Well, let's look at the scriptures. If the wages of sin are death, and and if all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, then we all then by justice deserve hell. That's what we deserve. We deserve to be wiped off the face of the planet. But instead, that's not what we get. God doesn't give you justice. He gives you grace, and he gives you mercy, and he gives you long-suffering. And to quote Paul in Ephesians, he's, he has a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ. Jesus is the true and better Job because he's actually the innocent blame and blameless one who faces suffering as a servant on our behalf. This is what we see in Isaiah 53, when it's the song of the suffering servant. This is what we see in Philippians 2, who uh, Jesus, who didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, um, going to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is what we see in Hebrews 5, when it says that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Um, th- this is... This is all of what we see as Jesus is the true and better better Job, because this is this is what what happens. So you see the story go on after this essential um, conversation with with God, where es- essentially Job sees things restored, and and he sees he, he gets his his family back, he gets his land back, and he and he gets um, his health back and everything else back. Uh, why does he get this? Because Job's great? Because he passed the the metaphorical test? No, not at all. Because God's gracious. Isaiah 53, um, 55, in, in the verses 6 through 9, one of the things we learn is that 
God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are, are not our ways. And one of the beautiful things that Dane Ortland in the book Gentle and Lowly points out is the verse leading up to it, right? We sit, we hear God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. And that can feel cold and calcu- and and calculated to try to explain away bad things. But if you go up, that's verse nine. If you go up to verses six, seven, and eight, the thoughts he has and the ways that he has are for compassion on people that don't deserve it. And that's you and me, right? God doesn't respond to us in strict judgment and justice. What he actually does is puts the justice that we deserve on his son. That ultimately we see the gospel pointing towards Jesus in Job as we get to Job 19. So Job 19, as this is kind of going on and Job is responding, he replies um, to Bildad's argument. And one of the things he says is beautiful in chapter 19, verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And at last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, and yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, my heart faints within me. How is it possible that Job, in all the situations and circumstances that he's facing, could say, but I'm looking forward to a day in which my Redeemer will live and be upon the earth, and I'm going to see him in my flesh. Because regardless of the circumstances and situations that he finds himself in, Job isn't finding his justification in how prosperous or great his life is, right? Calvin in in his book, A Little Book on the Christian Life, actually makes this point. None of us are guaranteed that life is actually going to ever make any sense at all. None of us are guaranteed the life would even go well for us. We're not guaranteed that at all. But what we are guaranteed is that well, there will come a day where the one Redeemer who lives because he was raised from the dead by the power of God is going to reign on the earth. And we're going to, in our glorified bodies, see him and all things are going to be made right. All the sad things are going to come untrue. And to use Narnia language, we're going to see the benefit of the ice melting, and it won't ever just be winter and never Christmas anymore. The spring mm-hmm. will actually actually come, and St. Nicholas will give you weapons to destroy the enemy, right? Like, that that's the story of the gospel, and you see it even in Job. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, we you, you To pick up on what you were saying about karma is karma sounds really good to the unbeliever, that everybody gets that you everybody gets what they deserve, um, but yeah, the gospel is not karma. The the go- karma is I get what I deserve. The gospel is that Jesus got what I deserve. That's right. He took that in my place, and and what I get is grace. As as uh, as Psalm one hundred three says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Yeah, absolutely. Or or where Paul quotes um, from Romans 4, blessed is the man whose iniquities are, are not counted, counted against yeah. them and whom the Lord does not count his sin. That's that's you and me, right? That's, that's every person that 
um, needs and to hear the good news of the gospel is that you're not going to get what you deserve. Jesus is going to get what you deserve and that the whole world actually exists on this, in this reality that ultimately um, the, to be absent with the body is going to be present with the Lord. And it's appointed for man once to die. And after that comes judgment and ultimately standing before the creator of the universe, much like Job is in this story, mm-hmm. you have two options. Either you're going to face the consequences of your sin and God's going to be just against you in, in, in doing so, or Jesus is going to face the consequences That's it. and, and, That's and it. you're going to, you're going to hear therefore now there is no condemnation for those in Christ. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. We hope this is helpful. And 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 to we would encourage you to spend some time in Job and dig into this text. And we would even encourage you to use Logos Bible software to, to do that, right? That that there are tons of tools that allow you to dig into the Hebrew here, that allow you to read commentary, that, that allow you to to understand the historical context of the poetry that's going on and understand all the liter- literature and the literary devices that are that are being used here. You can even, if you want to get real nerdy, try to figure out who Leviathan is um, <laughs> and, and, and go down that rabbit trail. So we would encourage you, uh, of course, uh, to check out Logos Bible Software. Um, we actually have a discount on our website at assuranceofpardon.com slash Logos, where you can get a discount and you can get some free books along the way, and that can help you in, in the study of the Bible so that you can also see Jesus in the old testament and as always scott where where can they they reach us if they have any questions well uh, you can uh you can go to a, a contact at assuranceofpardon.com uh we're also on all the socials um you know folks we've we as we are celebrating our third birthday at assurance of pardon we've we uh, are honored that we've had uh almost 67,000 downloads from literally around the world uh, which is hard to imagine um, I can't get my kids to listen to me. We got 67,000 people or 67,000 episode downloads from around the world. Um, and that's that's super exciting. So uh, let's keep that momentum going. Uh, like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, share this podcast with a friend and uh, let us know if you have any questions for us. Absolutely. And until next time, this is the Shrimp Department. God bless.